Good morning and happy new year. You say, Trent, you're confused. You need to look at the calendar. No, this is the ministry year kickoff. It's a big deal around here at Gospel City Church. And uh, everything we do here kind of sets the tone for the entire year. There's a huge wave of momentum rushing over us right now. And I hope you're going to catch that wave. Every year we set a theme for the year. Last year our theme was Christ exalted over all. How many of you noticed that theme? At least once you noticed we had a theme. Yeah, we made a big deal about exalting Christ overall. Do you know why we set that theme last year? It's because of what was happening in our culture about a year ago. We had just had a presidential election and there was a new president. Have you heard in the Oval Office and everybody was fretting and everybody's, some people are happy, some people are mad, everybody's polarized. And, and it, it could have been tempting for us to get our eyes off of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so we wanted to center our focus right where it belongs, the one who is exalted over every political office, over all of our fears, over all of our trials, Christ was exalted over all. This year, on this day, we roll out a new ministry, ministry year theme, and I'm going to give it to you in just a minute. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28, and this is one of the most foundational passages of Scripture for our church, and we are coming back to it for our next ministry year theme. And uh, let's just read it here. If you are a member or a uh, regular attender of Gospel City Church, you probably know the answer to this question. Why does Gospel City Church exist? Do you know the answer? Do you know the answer? It's our mission statement. And it goes like this. Gospel City Church exists to glorify God don't forget that piece, the most important piece. By the way, did you know that's why everything exists? That's why you exist? That's why the chair you're seated in exists? Everything exists to glorify God. So our church exists to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission, which leads us to ask the question, what is the Great Commission? Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, simply say it this way. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. There it is. That's what we traditionally call the Great Commission. And our church exists to glorify God by doing that, namely, make disciples. We are a gathering of disciples who are called to make disciples, which should lead you to the question, what is a disciple? And one of the easiest ways to define that, one of the simplest ways is just to simply say, a disciple is a follower of Jesus. A disciple is one who continually takes a step following Jesus. So are you ready? Are you ready for the ministry year theme? Here it is coming at you right now. The new ministry year theme is take a step. You say that's underwhelming. It's simple, it's clear, and it's urgent. This is what we do. This is what a disciple does. It's what we're called to do every day, continually, always, forever, taking our next step, following Jesus. How many of you right now strapped somewhere on your body is an electronic device 
that is counting your steps. Hold up your step counter. If you have an overpriced, overrated piece of equipment strapped to your body. Now, this is an amazing, I got one of these this year, and uh, it's an amazing piece of equipment. Um, it has these rings that, that kind of keep track of your different steps, if you've never seen these things. And, and this is supposed to be a motivational tool. Uh, because, um, actually, if you're sitting on the couch for too long, eating a bag of potato chips, watching a football game, um, after a while, this thing is going to start annoying you. It'll buzz you. You look down and it says, move! <laughs> it doesn't want you sitting still. It wants you taking a step and it will actually count your steps. And this is supposed to be a motivational tool. And it's actually kind of cool to watch those rings go throughout the day. And, and hopefully at the end of the day, you've taken sufficient steps and you feel like you've made some progress. I've tried to trick it. I'm like, sit there and do this, you know, to make it go, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to trick it into taking some more steps. I wish that I had something like this to measure the number of steps I take every day following Jesus. I wish that somehow I could strap something to my body when I'm being a spiritual donut hole or a spiritual couch potato, sitting around lazy, not following Jesus, that there was something that would annoy me enough to take a step. Well, as a matter of fact, there is such a device. It's called the Holy Spirit. He lives on the inside of every, every true disciple of Jesus. And he will graciously annoy you when you are just sitting around doing nothing. There's another device that the Lord Jesus has given you, and that is your pastor and this church. Because this church is going to be annoying you graciously throughout the year to take a step. And it doesn't matter where you're at in the process, whether you need to take your first step toward Jesus or whether you've been taking steps for 30 or 40 years, take a step, take a step, get off the sidelines, get off the couch, get in the game. Jesus is on the move. His church is on the move and he wants you on the move following him in his shadow. Taking a look again, a, a look at this verse. Uh, notice there's two things that show us the process of taking a step. The first thing is baptizing. That is the first step. Some of you have never publicly pronounced you are a follower of Jesus Christ and been baptized in the waters as a symbol, as a sign, as a declaration to the world that I'm following Jesus and I don't care who knows it. That is your first step publicly in following Christ. That follows conversion and repentance as we receive Christ as Savior and Lord and then we let the world know through baptism, I'm a follower of Jesus. That's the first step. Some of you this afternoon, tonight, you need to come to one of the pastors and say, you know what? I've been thinking about this. This thing's kind of new to me. I've kind of grown up around religious stuff, but I don't know that I've ever actually intentionally responded to Jesus and become a follower of Jesus. It would be the joy of my heart to see somebody here today say, I'm ready to take my first step. But I would be just as thrilled if some of you have been, that have been sitting around, who've kind of strayed off course, you've been following a bunch of other stuff, if you would get back on course and 
take your next step in following Jesus. That's the goal. That's what we're going to be going for over the course of this year as a church. And we're doing it together, following Christ together. So we do need to have some definition about this word disciple. And it's interesting what we do with the word, right, in church. If you come to our church very long, you'll find out we do a bunch of like crazy extensions to that word. We say, okay, we are disciples, but we're also disciplers who are involved in discipling other disciples in a process we call discipleship. I mean, we just add all kinds of crazy extensions to that word, make it into all kinds of stuff, which is fine. But I've wondered as we start this year, have we ever as a church clearly, definitively taught on what it actually means to be a disciple and what discipleship actually means in the context of this local church. That's what we're going for as we take a step. So what is a disciple? Probably the simplest way to define it is in in its original word, it actually means a learner, a student. A disciple of Christ is a Christ learner. And you say, oh, that involves academics. I need to take a class. Well, maybe, but you don't necessarily learn to follow Christ by sitting in a class. You learn to follow Christ in taking steps after you get out of class. That's what the original 11 disciples did. They physically walked around in the footsteps of Jesus so they could be close enough to see and hear how he lived his life. A Christ learner is one who learns how to live like Christ. It's one who adopts Christ's worldview, understanding he is the author of transcendent truth and whatever he says truth is, is what truth is. So I want to live in light of his transcendent revealed truth. I learn truth from Christ. I learned how to live from Christ. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, there's kind of these two categories of Christians. Have you ever heard this taught? You know, you have these remedial Christians over here. They're just not really very good Christians. They're, you know, they don't read their Bible very much. And, you know, they're kind of sporadic at church. And they they cuss, you know, and, and they got some bad habits, but by the skin of their teeth, they've accepted Jesus and they're getting into heaven. So those are Christians, but then you have these like superhero Avenger type Christians and they have superpowers and they're, they're at church every time the doors open. Sometimes they even come two and three times and they'll, they'll worship in one service and they turn around work in another I mean, they, they actually throw money in the offering bag. These people are radical crazies. And you've heard it taught like this. You got these, you know, remedial Christians, and then you have disciples that are Christians. No! The New Testament knows nothing of that. There's only one type of Christian. He's called a disciple. And if you think that you can be a Christian without following Jesus and taking steps toward Jesus, you have never become a Christian. 
You need to go back and take your first step and get in line with Jesus and adopt his definitions of truth in the most practical component parts of our lives. Yes, in the way we handle money. Yes, in the way that we form vocabulary. Yes, in the way that we treat one another in our marriages. Even bringing our sexuality under the lordship of Jesus Christ and whatever he defines it to be is what we learn to live by. Are you a Christ follower? Are you a Christ learner? That's a disciple. So we're going to find out what it means to be a disciple. Why are we doing this this year? Why this theme right here, right now? Why is it the passionate, urgent cry of the pastoral staff? Well, let me tell you one of the reasons. Our church, public service announcement, our church is getting bigger have you noticed? Anybody noticed? Church is getting bigger. Church is getting bigger. As a matter of fact, this week, we opened up a new 8,000 square foot administrative office facility so that your pastors are not actually sleeping, not sleeping, they don't sleep. Um, we, don't, we really don't, we don't sleep. But they're not stacked on top of one another in four offices back over here. We're gonna transform all that space to ministry space and now we've got room so we can be more productive to serve you better as a church. Thank you for those of you that threw in for that project and we are so excited about what's ahead. But listen, the physical and the numeric growth of our church might give us the illusion that the disciples that attend the church are growing. That's not necessarily true. There's two ways to get bigger. One is swelling, one is growth. I could run as fast as I could into that wall, put my head into the wall. Within a matter of a few seconds, my head would get bigger. That is not a sign that I am healthy. That is a sign there is a problem. And sometimes churches get bigger because there's a problem. Our church is getting bitter, bigger physically and numerically but the reason we're doing this theme is because we want to ensure we are growing spiritually. Are you with me? Are you taking a step? If you're not taking a step, don't applaud right now. Don't applaud. This would be embarrassing for you, okay? Now listen, there, and the truth of the matter is there are some disciples in this room that are stuck right now. There was a time when you were growing. There was a time when you were excited about following Jesus, but somehow you started listening to another voice and you just kind of veered off course and now you're following something else. You're on the sidelines. Some of you feel like I've, I've taken so many steps. I'm just getting, getting tired and worn out and I'm comparing myself. I'm, matter of fact, I'm so far ahead of everybody else. I don't even know why I need to take another step. Well, listen, that is, that, that, that will get you off course. That will slow you down. No matter if you are taking your first step or your next step, everybody together, we're locking arms. We're going forward. We're taking a step because we are disciples that are committed to discipleship. Let's define some of that. Here's the first thing I came to tell you this morning. Disciples never stop taking self-denying, cross-carrying steps following Jesus. A lot of words packed into that, but I did it on purpose because we pull it right out of what Jesus says a disciple must do. There's no wiggle room in this. Luke chapter nine, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, all right, are there any exceptions in that? 
No, not two kinds of Christians, just one, disciples. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily. You don't even get a day off. And follow me. Take your next step. And so the steps we take are often not going to be natural. They're not going to be comfortable. Sometimes they're going to call us to do things that in and of ourselves we would never do. But because Jesus is the one who has called us to follow him, yes, we take up that cross and that cross reminds us that it is Christ who took the steps to the cross to pour himself out as he died as a sacrifice for my sin on the cross so that all that believe could hear his voice and respond in repentance and faith. And that's how we take our first step. And every step from that, we take it to the cross and we take it from the cross. Disciples live a cross-centered life. And so we see that there in scripture. But notice it doesn't stop there. The apostle Paul, as he understood what it meant to be a disciple, said this. He said, finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord. I'm so glad he didn't just kind of politely ask. He asked and he's like, wait a minute. No, I'm urging you. I mean, he's in our face. And he's telling us, this is of utmost important. Finally, brothers, we ask and encourage you in the Lord Jesus that as you received from us how you ought to walk, take a step, walk, take a step. As you, re as you receive that from us, how to please the Lord, just as you are doing, so notice they're still walking, present tense, that you do so more and more future tense. So notice, past, present, future, it never stops. Never ending process. You take your first step, glad you received that. I'm so glad you started walking. Oh, look, you're still doing it. Great. Keep going, do it more and more. Do you have a passion to love Jesus more than you currently love him? To serve him more than you currently serve him? To give more to him than you currently give? He's like, Lord, I, I need grace to do this. I'm already exhausted. I'm already worn out. I, I don't even know how I made it through the last year. Now you're asking me for more and more and more. That's why we have to come desperately dependent upon him in prayer, seeking him for the energy, for the, the grace to do the things that we otherwise would never do apart from the filling of his Holy Spirit. But it never stops. And if you've stopped, take a step. And a lot of times we think we have to do big things. It's like, well, I just, I just do all these little piddly things. Most of the steps, please hear me. Most of the steps you will take as a disciple will be little steps. There'll be steps that you take in the mundane places in your life. For some of you, it's just scraping yourself out of bed every morning. And fumbling through your Bible, reading a passage of scripture, praying a simple prayer that goes like this, Lord help, take a step, take a step. And pretty soon that'll turn into Lord help me and my spouse. And pretty soon it's like, Lord help me serve my spouse. And all of a sudden the Lord is giving you broader paths to take your next step.
For some of you, it is simply just raising your children, loving your spouse. For some of you, it's working a job. For some of you, it's being faithful. Some, for some of you, it's just, it's, it's not the profane. It's not watching that. It's not participating in those things so that you can take your next step without obstacles and hindrances. Do it more and more. Never stop taking that next step. And then he says this. Number two, the second point I wanted to bring to you. Disciple making. Churches create discipleship pathways that encourage disciples to take a step. All right. Crammed as many disciple words I could into that point there. Um, If you haven't noticed already, not all churches are alike. Some churches don't emphasize discipleship. Public service announcement, you have stepped into a church that is a disciple-making church. That's why I yell at you sometimes because I'm trying to get you to take a step. And we are urged by the Lord to take a step. Notice Colossians chapter 1, verse 28. This is a passage that your pastoral staff prays over you. We get up every morning, and when we uh, put ourselves in the yoke with Jesus, here's what we're trying to do. Him we proclaim. Notice it's always about Christ exalted over all, right? We're just exalting Christ and we make him seem so beautiful and so supremely worthy of our worship. That's how we invite you, encourage you to take a step. We proclaim him and then we warn everyone and teach everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So those that are stuck, we're trying to warn you, hey, if you don't take a step, it's not going to go great for you. It's not going to turn out well for you. So we warn you, but then we teach you, here's some practical steps you can take. Here's the way you can handle your finances. Here's the way that you can love your spouse. Here's the way you can raise your kids. We want to be really practical about applying wisdom to our steps as we walk through this life following Jesus. And notice, warning everyone, teaching everyone, presenting everyone, mature in Christ. One day, it will be my privilege to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and say, Lord, may I present to you Gospel City Church. And I hope on that day, there's not a bunch of crying, wet, baby Christians. I want some mature Christians that look like they just got out of the spiritual gym and worked out and they're ready. They got spiritual muscle. Have you ever seen, how, how many of you ever had a kid? You, you had a kid and you, you, you remember that moment when they took their first step? How many of you have a vivid memory of that? I mean, have a video of that. We should have shown a video of somebody taking their first step. Do you remember your, your babies when they first showed up? They had, they have nothing but these just big fat rolls on their thighs. You ever seen those things? I mean, they're huge. And then, you know, after about a year, about half of that's gone and, and pretty soon they're like rolling over and then they're crawling around. And then there's that day when they kind of grab the coffee table or the chair and they're like, you know, they're like, ooh, this is kind of cool. I can see more up here. And, and then they fall down. But, but pretty soon they let go and they're like, boom. And then they fall on their face, you know. And, and you put them back up and then you go get the, the, the camera out and you're taking pictures. Pretty soon those, those guys are like moving. They're taking steps. That, that they're maturing. And then pretty soon, if you notice, if they have siblings, pretty soon you find them like one's carrying another one around the house. <laughs> 
I mean, they've got so much spiritual muscle, they can not only carry their own weight, they can carry the weight of somebody else. Do you know what I just described for you? Gospel City Church. We got some baby Christians. That's great. You just, you just took your first step. That's awesome. We're going to cheer you on. Nobody, when the baby falls down, does people come like, how, you should be so ashamed of yourself. You fell. No, you're a baby. Nobody expects you to go very far at first. But, you know, if you're 13 years old and you're still doing that, well, we got a problem, you know. It's like, hey, you know, we got balance issues. So, we want to present to Jesus Christ a church that is mature, that has taken steps following Jesus into maturity. And it doesn't stop. We're just kind of surfing through the New Testament here. Here's a verse many of you know. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you, there's the first step, will bring it to completion. There's the last step at the day of Jesus Christ. So when can you stop taking a step? At the day of Jesus Christ. Well, um, not yet, okay? Any day now, Lord, will be fine. But until then, take a step until it's complete. How many of you have a life verse? You have a life verse, like a, a verse that just impacted you at a critical point in your life. You just anchored yourself to that verse. Like if I forget the rest of the Bible, that's the one I'm going back to. I have a verse like that. It's this verse. It's Acts 20, 24. When I was 16 years old, I've been a Christian for about a year. We had a special revival preacher come into our church. His name was Bill Stafford. And man, he just impacted my life. And I'm just like, wow, you know, I'll never be the same. And so I, I kind of humbly walked up to him with my Bible at the end of one of those services. I stood in line and I just asked him to sign my Bible. I've got an old Bible that has some of my favorite preachers whose autographs are in there. And, and uh, he signed his Bible and when he, he signed my Bible. And when he did, he put this verse, Acts 20, 24. I didn't know that verse, so I went and I looked it up, and when I read it, I'm just like, all right, Lord, I'm hitching my wagon to that. And here it is. I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course. And the ministry that I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Do you know why I am here this morning doing what I'm doing right now? I'm just trying to stay on course. I'm trying to stay on the course of the ministry that I've received of the Lord Jesus Christ. And can I tell you, in all honesty, can I just be vulnerable here, transparent with you right now? Can I just, okay. I would rather be at home eating waffles. I would rather stay home this afternoon and watch football. But why am I here? And why will I be here this afternoon? Why will I be here tonight until 8.30? Just, I don't count my life as precious to myself. I'm trying to stay on course. I'm trying to finish well. And so it doesn't matter how far I've come, doesn't matter how what I've done in the past, doesn't matter what you've done in the past, Take a step, take a step, finish well, stay on course, understand the importance of what Christ has called us to. And we talked about this discipleship pathway. I want that 
term to lock in your mind here for a minute, okay? Because you're going to hear that term over and over throughout this year. What is this discipleship pathway? Let's put it this way. Discipleship is a pathway that helps disciples take their next step in following Jesus. You see, we're smart enough to know a church, a preacher cannot force you to take a step. But a church can remove obstacles for those who want to take a step so that their next step, their next step will be clear. So that we've got signposts and we can put lights on the pathway. It's like, okay, if you're here and you want to go here, then you do this. If you want to be a, a better spouse, then here's your next step in that. If, you want to, if you're in 11th grade and you want to turn into a mature college student, then here's some pieces of equipment you're going to need to get in your toolbox. And, and if, if you want to be a parent that raises godly kids, then here's one of the things that we can do. We want to light the pathway for those individual components. If you've got financial issues, issues and nobody's ever really taught you how to put God first in your money, here's a pathway for you. That's one of the reasons that we've instituted these classes that you've been hearing about more and more at the church. But I can't force you to get in the class. I can't force you to put yourself in a, a relationship where you could learn as a Christ follower how to do that. But if you don't take a step this year, by God's grace, it's not going to be our fault. We're going to try to create the pathway and we're going to try to encourage you to take a step. Now, if you've been around our church for a long time, you know that for these 10 years or so, we've had a little uh, term that we've used to define a quality disciple. This has been our discipleship pathway in, in the past. It's very simple. Most of you probably even know it. It involves three W's. In a minute, I want you to say those if you know it. And so here's what we've said. A quality disciple does three things. Say it with me. He worships Christ, walks with Christ, and works for Christ. And so we've said, hey, you want to be a quality disciple? Here's the pathway. Worship Christ. Be here every Sunday and worship Christ. You got to walk with Christ in fellowship with other believers. So that's our small group component. And then to work for Christ, that means serve. You know, be on a team, volunteer, do some things around here. Don't, don't just be a consumer, be a contributor. So we've used that language. Well, here's part of what we're doing this year. We are updating the language. And so we have a new discipleship pathway. It's a little harder you think you can remember four words instead of three? All right, it's a challenge, but I'm asking you to take a step. Four words. Here's what it looks like. A quality disciple glorifies, gathers, grows, and goes. Now, I'm going to unpack those over the next four weeks. Do not miss the next four weeks of church. You want to take a step? I'm going to be looking for you next week because we're going to unpack these things. You've heard those things before. They were part of the Made for More campaign. But now this is really going to be our pathway for us to take a step. We're going to remove those obstacles. Here's the third thing. Discipleship is the culture of church immersed in the gospel. Now notice, discipleship is a culture. It's the air we breathe. It's not some formula. It's not a system. It's not a whip that we use to try to motivate remedial disciples. Notice Philippians 1.27. He says, let the manner of your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ so that I may hear 
that you are standing firm in one spirit and with one mind striving side by side. Notice we do this together. We lock arms together. Striving, taking the next step side by side for the faith of the gospel. So what's the motivator? It's not guilt. Guilt never motivates. You can take about three steps and then you're done. We have to have something more motivating than guilt. What is that? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. I, I found this new app because um, on, on my Apple Watch, you can actually put earphones in and your watch will talk to you. It will, it will encourage you to take another step. You, you start running and after a while, the, 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 the coach comes on there and he's like, hey, you're doing so good. I don't know how he knows, but he's like, you're doing great. And you're a better person because you chose to run today. And you're about halfway done. I know you're getting tired. And if you need to slow down, you can slow down, but don't stop. Just take your next step. The finish line's coming. You're gonna feel so great after this is over with. I'm so proud of you. I don't know why he's proud of me, he doesn't know me, but it gives you the illusion that you're doing a good job, right? It's an encouraging thing. But you know what? There's another app out there. You can actually download it on your phones. It's called this. It's called the Zombie Run app. And if you can't get motivated by encouragement, maybe you could get motivated by the idea that there are zombies chasing you. This is what the description says in the app. It says, get ready for the run of your life. You tie on your shoes, you put on your headphones, take your first steps outside. You're barely 100 yards into your run and then you hear them. They must be close. You can hear every guttural breath, every rattling groan. They're everywhere. Zombies. There's only one thing you can do. Run! Would that, how many of you, that would motivate you? That would motivate you if you were being chased by a zombie. Maybe that was the only thing that would ever get you to run. You know, because you're thinking, my body was only made to run if it's being chased. And so, and maybe that would motivate you. Did you know that some churches are like the zombie run app? They try to scare you into taking a step. And by God's grace, we're not going to do that. We're going to point you to Jesus who has already run the race. He's already taken every step for you. All we have to do is follow in his footsteps. We get in his shadow. We get as near to him as we can. And the encouragement, the motivation comes from knowing the grace of God has covered my every stumbling step. And so churches that emphasize discipleship are immersed in the gospel. And knowing that, notice the imperatives of this statement in 1 Peter chapter 4. Train yourself for godliness. How many of you get excited about the word training? How many of you just start to sweat when you hear the word training? train yourselves for godliness. You're like, uh, give me a better word. How about this? Practice. Nobody likes to practice. You just do the same things over and over and over. You know what happens when you do the same things over and over and over and over? Keep taking step after step after step after step. It gets easier to take the next step. You get stronger. Practice these things. And here's the third word. Immerse yourself in them saturate yourself in them. 
you have a spill on the counter, they throw down a towel, everything on the counter goes into the towel so that there's not any room left for anything else in the towel. That's what it means to be immersed. The reason why some of us can't take another step is because you're carrying so many other things. You can't just add Jesus to your already overcrowded life. You have to immerse yourself in the gospel. And then notice what happens. So that all may see your progress. You wanna make some progress? Are you tired of having the same bad attitude? Are you tired of carrying all the same anxiety and fears? Are you tired of always just being grumpy? I am. My wife's certainly tired of that. <laughs> Me being grumpy, I mean. And so if you want to take a step in all those things, let's all go do it together, but let's keep our eyes on the gospel, knowing that Jesus has lived this life for us. Let's put it this way. Discipleship is learning how to live like Jesus through exposure to the Word of God in the power of the Spirit of God. So Jesus isn't physically here. So how can we follow Jesus? It's by being exposed to the words of Jesus that he's left for us in the revealed Word of God. So every day, if you wanna take a step, open the Bible. Immerse yourself in these things and then go out and practice these things. And if you want to take a step going from being a disciple to a disciple maker, here's what we do. We expose one another to the Word of God. You're talking to your friend on the phone or you're in a small group and somebody's going through a crisis. Don't just pat him on the back and say, well, hang in there. I'll pray for you. Those are great. But how about opening the Bible and exposing that person at that particular time, in that moment, in that situation to something relevant in the Word of God to him? Expose him to the Word of God. And now through the power of the Spirit, do you know what the power of the Spirit does? It annoys him graciously to take a step. Move! What are you going to do about that? Jesus just said, do this. What are you going to do? That's what the Holy Spirit does. And so discipleship is learning to live like Jesus as we expose ourselves to the Word of God in the power of the Spirit of God. And here's the simple definition of a disciple. A disciple is simply a forgiven sinner who continually takes steps of repentance and faith in response to the Word of God. What do you do? to become a disciple. Repent and believe, it's first step. What do you do as a disciple? You repent and believe to take your next step. Every time you hear the gospel, every time you hear the word of God, what do you have to do? Repent and believe. Re-repent, re-believe the gospel every time you're exposed to it. And as disciples, we take steps. And it may be the first step or it may be the next step, but we take a step. Here's the last thing. Discipleship is dependent on the faithfulness of God. If you're not careful, what you just heard me give you is a locker room speech, pep talk. Hey, get in the game, get off sideline. You can do better, try harder, do better. That's not what I've said. There are many imperatives in the New Testament to take a step. We've seen those, but I want you to notice ultimately how progress is made as a disciple. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse 23. 
May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. It's God that's doing the work. It's God that is picking up the leg and moving you even as you decide to pick up the leg and move. He says, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. Who called you? Jesus. And he's faithful to enable you to do what he called you to do. And notice the last part. I love this. He will surely do it. It is his power through his spirit in response to his word that we take a step. You ready to do that? You want to take a step? It's like, what do I have to do? Well, listen, if this is the first time to come to church, come next week. That'll be next, next step for you. If you've been coming for a while, you should take a step into membership. Become part of the family. If you're part of the membership, you're part of the family, take a step and step onto a leadership team, a, a, a volunteer team, carry some weight around. You got some spiritual muscle. We can strap some weight to you. Are you in a community? You're in a big group? Step into a small group. You in a small group? Step into leading that small group or start another small group. Have you ever prayed with your spouse and prayed with your children? So I'm not a good prayer. Take a step. Before you eat the brisket, say, Lord, thank you for this brisket. It's easy to thank God for brisket. Next time you stub your toe instead of cussing, say, thank you, Lord, for that thing I just rammed my toe into. I didn't deserve that. Take a step in all these different ways. You giving, take a step. Give more. Give the first time, take a step. All kinds of different ways. We're, everybody's at a different place in the discipleship pathway. I just wanna make it clear. Let's take a step. If you don't know, go to somebody that knows you the best and say, what step do you think I should take? They probably have a list. Why don't we stand together? Listen, it is always and forever about Christ being exalted over all. We never stop doing that. And so even as we kind of move past that theme, we don't want to replace that with something other than that. So why don't we sing together this great anthem. Let that be the praise of our heart.